Amen. All right. Go ahead and take your Bibles tonight and go to Second Peter tonight. Second Peter. We're going to start out. We're going to read the whole chapter of Second Peter, and then I'm going to give you the title of my message. It's actually a bad title. It's a question that the Bible prophesied was going to be asked, and it's not necessarily a good question. But you know, I think if we're all honest, we've all said it before. And I'm going to, you know, I've asked this question before, and that is, where is the promise of His coming? Okay, anybody ever asked yourself that? Like, come on, why hasn't Christ come back yet? Okay? And the Bible said that that was going to happen. That day was going to come where people are going to be saying, where is the promise of His coming? And I've asked myself that too. And this might sound terrible, but it's just the truth. This week, when the Cubs won the World Series, okay, I remember it was the next day, and I heard people on the radio, they were talking about, you know, this is weird saying this, the Cubs are World Series champions. And I was sitting, and I, I'm sitting there trying to process this, because I've been a Cub fan my whole life. And, you know, I've always known the Cubs would probably win the World Series someday. You know, you always knew that day was probably going to come where they won the World Series, but it just seemed like it never would come. And honestly, I was a pretty, I was a pretty diehard Cub fan until about 2008, and after it went 100 years, I'm like, forget it. I'm, I'm done. And I just, I really quit paying attention. And then I became more of a fair weather fan. Okay. And of course, this year, I, I enjoyed it. You know, I, it was fair weather all year long. But they did. They won it. And so it's like, I'm actually talking about it in the past tense now. It happened. I knew it had to happen someday, but it did actually happen. And then I asked myself the question. I was like, okay, well, now the next thing's got to be the rapture. Okay, I've been waiting for that my whole life, and that might sound so carnal, but at the same time, you know, it, you know, if we're honest, sometimes it almost seems literally unbelievable to think about Jesus Christ actually returning the way we've all been looking forward to it and expecting it. And sometimes, you know, the devil will get in our head and just be like, ah, it's, it's never coming. But listen, it is going to come. But we do. We ask ourselves that question: Where is the promise of His coming? And I want to show you some things in Second Peter that I think should, you know, show us we definitely shouldn't be discouraged. That we ought to be getting encouraged. And so let's start reading in Second Peter chapter three, verse one. It says, "This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance." that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles, of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust, and saying, where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation." For this they willingly are ignorant of that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that was then being overflowed with water perished, but the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store reserved under fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning His promises. Some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, 
in which the heaven shall pass away with a great noise, and the element shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we according to this, His promise look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of Him in peace without spot and blameless, and account that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. And also in all his epistles, speaking in them the things in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other Scriptures, unto their own destruction. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware lest ye also be led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. So right here we see a great passage where Peter's basically saying, hey, the Lord's going to come back one of these days. And he's given some warnings in there. He's telling us to prepare for some things. He wants us to keep some things in remembrance. And when it comes to the coming of the Lord, there are, there are some things that we've got to remember. There are some things that He warned us about. And to me, some of the, just some of the things we read here in 2 Peter, to me, are proof. A lot of people are always saying, well, you know, they expected His coming back during Paul's time, during Peter's time. They were looking for the coming of Christ. You know, the return of Christ has been imminent since, you know, their time. But no, it hasn't. Notice Peter said that there shall come first. So before Jesus Christ comes back, First, there's going to come scoffers that are going to come along saying, where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were. So in other words, we see here that Peter, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, he said that before Christ returns, there was going to come a day where people are going to be looking back and saying, you know, our fathers that fell asleep, they're all dead. Basically, the apostles... You know, those who started the church, that first generation, they were all going to be, Peter said, they're all going to be gone, and people are going to be looking back and saying, you know what, they're all gone. It's years later. Things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. And you know what? Nothing has changed. He's not coming back. And there are, there's a teaching out there that's pretty big in some circles called preterism that say that Jesus Christ already returned. It was a spiritual return that happened in 70 AD, but it happened before you know, the disciples had all passed on. But here in Second Peter, it's very clear they were all going to be gone before Jesus Christ returned. It's very clear in this passage. And so the Bible has always been clear there are certain events that have to unfold before Jesus Christ returns. And I believe some of those events are still yet to come. But some things that we're supposed... So, it is Peter's trying to warn people. He knew that there was going to come a day where people were going to start getting discouraged. Where it was going to be a long wait you know, before Jesus Christ came back. And, so, and the Lord knew that. And so, He inspired Peter to write these words. So, when that day came, when... 
things like the Cubs winning the World Series comes to pass before the rapture does, you know, people would be like, you know, wouldn't get too discouraged. They wouldn't give up. You know, I always thought the rapture would probably come before the Cubs won the World Series. My dad always said that, you know, it was probably going to come on the seventh game of the World Series. And there was a seventh game and the rapture didn't come. And I got a theory on why that didn't happen. I got, I got a theory. And I want you to notice it says in the Bible that one day is with the Lord is a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. Well, I personally think the trumpet was supposed to blow. I personally think the rapture was supposed to come. But I've got a great uncle was one of the biggest Cub fans you ever met that waited his whole life for the Cubs to win a World Series and they never did. He died before that happened. And I personally think they were getting ready to blow the horn and he went and hit it. And so... Uh, that caused the delay of a few minutes up in heaven, which might result in a few years for us. So I don't know. That's just a, I'm just having fun with you there. But uh, you know, I, I think about those things, and you know, you'll wonder sometimes. But I'm sure that's probably not it. But at the same time, you know, I did. I'm just like, all right, this you know, this wasn't supposed to happen before the rapture came, but it did happen. And you know, and I know that's something goofy there. But there's going to be other things that could come up. You know, I mean. We might see some terrible, terrible days here in America that we never expected to see until the tribulation, and they could happen before the tribulation even starts. I mean, we could see some terrible things that take place, things that we thought wouldn't happen until, you know, after we're gone, and yet we're still here, and when that happens, there's going to be scoffers that are going to come along and say, you know, he's not coming back. And they're going to discourage people, and so Peter, he's trying to warn people, try and prepare them, and so how did he do this? What did he use to uh, try to inspire people to continue waiting, to continue being faithful? And in verse 5, notice what it says. It says, For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the Word of God the heavens were of old, the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that was then being overflowed with water perished. And, and, but the heavens and the earth which are now by the same Word are kept in store, reserved unto fire, against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. He's telling people here basically, judgment is coming. Hey, we don't know when it's coming, but it is coming. It's 2016. We weren't supposed to see 2016. There was a book that was written years ago, you know, like 88 Reasons Why the Rapture Has to Come by 1988. And we're way past 1988. And then it was supposed to come before 2000. And now it's, you know, 2016. And it's like, you know... It's not supposed to be more than 2,000 years after Christ's ascension. So, he, Jesus died in about 30 A.D., so it's got to be by, 20, by 2030, right? Well, maybe not. I hope not. I'm going to be disappointed if Christ hasn't returned by 2030, but that might happen. But you know what? Whether If we're still here at 2030, 2040, 2050, doesn't change the fact that judgment is coming. God judged the world before with water, and by that same word, He is going to judge this word again, world again by fire. Judgment is coming. Our judgment, though, we see in the Bible, it comes first. First Peter chapter four. Look what it says in First Peter chapter four and verse sixteen. It says, "Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this half, on this behalf." For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, when shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? You all see that right there? 
We're all anxious for Christ to return and judgment to come to this earth. But you know, the Bible says that our judgment comes first. Well, what does that mean exactly? Well, we see in, in Daniel that part of the process of the tribulation it's you know making people white. We see that you know, and we see that also again. I didn't write the references down in Revelation chapter seven. I believe that there, that time of tribulation is going to be a time of basically purging the church. There's a lot of people who call themselves Christians, who call themselves a part of the church that are lost, that are not saved. And when persecution comes, you know what the phonies are going to do? They're gone. They're going to take off. They're going to split. Well, it's going to be real clear during the tribulation time who's saved and who's not saved. When they start telling people, you know, take the mark or die, it's going to be real clear who the real Christians are. And then we know that before the wrath of God is poured out in this world, He's taking us out of here. And we're not going to go to all the Scriptures on it, but it is very clear in the Scriptures that when we are raptured, the very first thing for us is the judgment seat of Christ. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10. See, we don't stand before Christ in judgment until the rapture, until our body has been reunited with our soul. Those who are in heaven right now, they have not been judged yet. Their soul is in heaven but their body is still on earth. Okay, our soul, our spirit that's been born of God, it doesn't sin. Okay, our sins that we do, they are in our body. When we are raptured, okay, at the rapture, the dead in Christ rise first. We are caught up in the sky. Our soul, our bodies, be united again, and then we are going to stand before Christ at the judgment seat of Christ, and we're going to be judged according to the things done in our body. Look what it says, Second Corinthians chapter five, verse ten. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. You all see that the first thing that's going to happen, we're going to be judged. And sadly, many people today, when it comes to the return of Christ, their attitude is, Lord, hurry up and come back because I want to get out of this mess, not Lord, hurry up and come back because I am ready spiritually. Because I am ready. I am right with you. I'm obedient to you. A lot of times, their life is a mess as Christians. They're backslidden on God. They've been disobedient. And as a result, they're dealing with all kinds of junk on this earth because of their sin. And the truth is, if they were to, if they were to be judged right then, you know, they're going to be, they're going to have a lot of problems. We don't know what all is going to happen on Judgment Day, but we know that it's not all going to be pretty because the Bible says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. I don't think it's going to be a picnic. I don't think it's going to be something, well, you know, that's just, that's just a piece of cake where we're just all going to be up there hugging Christ and He's going to be like, ah, you know, don't sweat the small stuff, you know. No, we're going to be judged. We're going to, and, It's not all going to be pretty. And so we've got to understand, our judgment comes first. Judgment begins at the house of God. Before God pours His wrath out on this earth, okay? before God judges the world, He judges us first. And I don't think the house of God's been judged yet. Do you? I don't think it has. I think it's pretty clear that hasn't happened yet. I think some of it is earthly, but I believe for the most part, it's in heaven when we stand before Christ at, at the judgment seat of Christ. So, you know, we can't give in to temptation and burn out and give up. We, we can't do that. 
We are going to be judged. We are going to stand before Him. We know this, so we cannot give. We can't give in. We cannot give in to the temptation to just go with the flow because it has been so long. Because it was 2016, and we are still here. We are seeing. I mean, fundamental Baptists in droves just given up, given up on the old ways, given up on their King James Bible, giving up on standards and convictions and holy living and just getting in with all this new trendy stuff that's going on, just going with the flow, trying to be friends with the community and not ever offending anybody, not ever making anybody mad. We can't give in to that. We've got to be preaching the Word. We've got to be, in, we've got to be instant in season, out of season. Why? The Bible said the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. A lot of people can't take it today. Hard preaching is not as popular as it used to be. The message I preached this morning used to be a lot more popular. A lot more people used to preach messages like I preach today, but people are they're backing off on that. Well, let's not do that. Let's not make a big deal. You know, do we really need to be talking about sin? I mean, didn't Jesus already pay for all of our sins? You know, do we really need to be talking about the law and what God expects from us? I mean, didn't Jesus Christ fulfill the law? And so we don't need to worry about that stuff anymore. Don't get, don't fall for that. Don't give in to that. We are still going to be judged according to the things done in our body. That is very clear in the Scriptures. Thank God we're still going to make it into heaven. Some people, yet so is by fire. Some people are going to get in by the skin of their teeth. You know, it was, I mean, only by the grace, by the grace of God, I mean, did any of us get into heaven. It's only because of the work of Jesus Christ. But at the same time, we're still going to be judged for what we do. And people aren't talking about that, but we got to talk about it. And so we got, we see here in 2 Peter chapter 3 that when it comes to the return of Christ, we've got to make sure we keep our focus as time goes on on not burning out, not giving up, as we see more and more people fall away. You know, we need to remind ourselves of the scripture says there will come a falling away first. This is exactly what the Bible says is going to happen. And honestly, you know, I, I kind of feel bad sometimes, but as I see people flopping out and giving up and giving in, I kind of get excited. Because it tells me it's got to be getting close. This is what the Bible said was going to happen. We should be shocked if it's not happening. The Bible said it was going to happen. And so also we need to understand that God, He's not going to work according to any of our timelines. Notice what Peter said in verse 8. You know, he said, you know, judgment's coming. It's going to come, alright? I assure you, it's going to come. But Peter doesn't know when it's going to come. You know, Peter, Peter didn't think it was going to come in his lifetime. He said that that day was going to come. It's in the future after the, after the fathers have fallen asleep. He, he knew it was a future thing, but he had no idea how long. We see that the apostles, they all taught in always being ready. But that was because they knew that they didn't know when Christ was going to come, and future generations weren't going to know when Christ was going to come. But he said in verse 8, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. Why did he say that? Why didn't he say one day is with the Lord is ten years or a hundred years? Why did he say a thousand? Okay. Well, I'm just glad he didn't say ten thousand. You know, because maybe it's going to be a few days. Or a couple days, <laughs> and we don't know. We don't know. You know, we've there's been many who thought they've cracked the code of when Christ would return, and they were they were wrong. 
And there's going to be many more. And you know, I personally, I don't believe there's anything wrong with speculating on when Christ might return. I mean, isn't that kind of going along with looking for and hasting on the coming of the Lord? I mean, aren't we supposed to be anxious about it? Aren't we supposed to be looking for it? And to me, if you're expect, if you are literally expecting it to happen, you're going to start, you know, speculating. Well, could it be? Could it be then? You know, we see how God's worked in timelines in the past. You know, could He be using some kind of pattern? You know, is there some way to figure it out? And I don't believe, I don't believe anybody is necessarily going to crack the code. I mean, there's enough people out there guessing. I mean, somebody's got to accidentally get it right one of these times. But you know, nobody nobody knows for sure. Nobody knows the day or the hour. But you know, we're watching, we're hoping, and as long as we don't neglect our present responsibilities and get discouraged when it doesn't happen, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. As long as we don't back off of living godly, you know, as long as we don't back off on you know doing what God has called us to do. I mean, as long as we're being faithful in our day-to-day lives, doing what God wants us to do, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying, you know, I'm 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 kind of planning on it being, you know, by this time. You know, just just hoping. You know, what if? What is? What is? Why are we doing that? It helps us to be ready. Okay. Now, if you do, if you plan on, you say, well, I, I've decided, I figured out, God's going to wait. He's, it's going to be two thousand years. He's doing two days according to God. And it's going to be 2,000 years. Jesus died and ascended to heaven in 2030. So it's going to, or in 30 AD, so it's going to be in the year 2030. All right. Let's speculate. All right. That's just, I don't, you know, I don't have any Bible to base that on. But I don't even really like that theory. It's too far away. But at the same time, you know what? If I, if I want to start thinking that and hoping for it, that's fine. But then if 2031 comes around and he still hasn't returned, then I need I, I better not get discouraged because of that. You know, I'm not gonna go around putting up billboards like Harold Camping did. You know, twenty thirty's gotta be the day. I'm not gonna go around telling everybody if this isn't true, the Bible is a lie. You know, I, I'm not gonna do that. But speculating that's part of looking for it. That's part of you know, we are we are expecting it. We fully expect it to happen. So, you know, we're gonna do some of that, but just don't get discouraged when it doesn't happen. And that's what Peter's warning us here. Just be not ignorant of this. One day is with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. What if the Lord is planning on three days? He was in He was in uh, the earth for three days and three nights. Wouldn't that mean three thousand years? Oh, I, you know, I, I want to live to see it. Okay, you know, let's let's not go there. But we don't know. But either way, he is he is coming back. Either way, judgment is coming. And so what do we need to be doing? We need to be living godly. We need to be doing what God has called us to do every day. As far as God's timing goes, God knows exactly what He's doing. Verse 9, "...the Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, were not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance." So we see here, that you know, God's not slacking off. Now, why would He say that? He would say that. Why would the Holy Spirit inspire Him to say that? Because He knew that there was going to come a day in 2016 where we're going to be sitting around wondering why. You know, why did the Cubs win the World Series before the rapture happened? That wasn't supposed to happen. Is the Lord 
delaying? Is he slacking? No, he's not slack. You know, why is it all this wickedness going on in the world and judgment not come yet? You know, the Lord should have judged the world by now. You know what we're doing? We're saying, you know, the Lord's slacking off. He's not taking care of things like he's supposed to. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. As, you know, write your name in there as Tommy McMurtry counts slackness. Okay? As Tommy McMurtry counts slackness, yeah, it should have happened a long time ago. But you know what? I don't, I don't know. I'm not holy, righteous, just. I can't see the end from the beginning. I can only see one moment at a time and then look back and, you know, that's as good as I'm, that's as good as I'm able to do it. God knows exactly what He's doing. And He says here, it's very clear, God wants more people to get saved. That's what God's waiting for. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so since God is being merciful and waiting for people to be saved, then instead of instead of letting the world go to hell, you know, wouldn't we wouldn't we be better off to if we wanted to speed up his return, wouldn't it make more sense that we would get more people saved? Because think about it. The Lord is looking at this world right now, and if he were to return right now, there's a lot of people that are going to hell. And he doesn't want them to go to hell. So, wouldn't we increase the chances of Him coming if a bigger percentage of people are saved? I mean, that seems to line up with this verse. You know, if, if we're making up ground, if, there's a, if we've got more people saved, the Lord's like, you know what? This is a good time to come. There's a lot more people saved right now. But right now, He's looking at the world and there are so many lost people that He died for, that He loves, and He doesn't want them to go to hell. So you know what? If we're really anxious for Jesus Christ to return, why don't we go win more people to Christ? Why don't we start spreading the Gospel even more? Why don't we double our efforts when it comes to our soul winning and being a witness? That, to me, that would be the way to go. It's like many people... They're watching, you know, they know the prophecies of, you know, the world getting worse before Jesus Christ returns. So it's like, it's like they're just slacking off and saying, ah, you know, it's, it's almost like they're encouraged when the world gets worse. Uh, maybe that means Christ is closer to his return. Well, we see that he's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. And I personally believe during the tribulation there's going to be a great revival. So, you know, why don't we just start right now? Getting people saved. Isn't there a better chance of a great revival if there's more people telling others about Jesus? I mean, if we are really anxious for him to come back, I'm not talking about, you know, there's, what do they call that one group? There's some people that believe that Jesus Christ, the way Christ returns or the way the millennium works is when the church has successfully evangelized the world and got, you know, pretty much taken over. The world. I don't think that's ever going to happen. I don't think that fits Bible prophecy at all. But at the same time, you know, maybe if we had that attitude, we'd work a little harder bringing people to Christ. So I don't agree with their theology at all on that. But you know what? I like the idea of just trying to win the world to Christ and trying to make a difference and see more people saved. We see that's what God wants. We see that's what He's waiting for. That is why He is holding off right now. He is looking at people and He doesn't want them to perish. So let's get them saved and he won't have to worry about it and he can just come back. I think that's I think that's the way to go. Get people saved. So we see also in verse 11, seeing then 
that all these things shall be dissolved. What manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Since we know that everything in this world is going to dissolve. You know how many people aren't living godly? They're not doing what they're supposed to do because they're getting caught up in the things of the world. They're getting caught up in gaining possessions. and what. Well, if, since we know these things are all going to burn up, why would we waste our time in that? Since we know that judgment is coming, that God is going to judge the world, that it's going to begin at the house of God, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? That should be our focus. If we really think Christ is about to come, we should be cleaning our act up and getting ready for it. You know, and but most people today, they use the modern day culture for an excuse to sin and disobey the scriptures. You know how many people today and how many you know young preachers are saying, you know, when it when it comes to you know preaching dress standards for one, that all you know that was you know that these things are cultural. Well, good night. Why would we go along with the culture? Why would we let our culture determine what is right and what's wrong? We we know that God is going to come and He's going to judge this world for their sins. So why would we do things according to how the world does? Why why would we get caught up in any of that? I mean, to me, if the world's doing it, we shouldn't do it. You know, that is no excuse to sin and disobey the scriptures. Yeah, this world is getting worse. You know, the rules are, they're, they're going out the windows. It is no big deal anymore, you know, for people to be shacking up and, you know, living, you know, fornication, adultery. It's just not a big deal to this world anymore, but you realize it's still a big deal to God and He's going to judge the world for it. And so since the world doesn't care anymore, since it's not frowned on, why would we, as Christians, when we know God's going to judge the world, get caught up in that stuff? Shouldn't we, as we see the world getting Closer, you know, to you know, the devil as judgment is coming. Wouldn't that motivate us to just clean our act up even better, to distance ourselves as much as we can from that? I mean, it seems to make sense to me. Most people use other Christians as an excuse to sin and disobey scriptures. Most people today, I mean, what they do in their life, you know, how they what they preach in their church, they're just following the lead of some big name preacher somewhere. And if that big name preacher goes bad, they're all going bad with them. They, they, the what they base everything off of is what is this other preacher doing? You know, you've been telling, hey, you know, the Bible says we shouldn't do this. You know, the Bible makes it clear we shouldn't dress like that. And I've heard people, you know, they'll use a preacher. Well, this pastor does this. You know, this pastor has this in his church. How is that an excuse? How is that a reason? In fact, doesn't the Bible teach that you know there were going to be those in the last days who were going to come along and they were going to turn the grace of God into lasciviousness? Didn't the Bible teach that there were? There, like we read, in the last days, scoffers were going to come walking after their own lust. The Bible makes it very clear that the day was going to come in churches where preachers were going to just do whatever they felt like doing. And the people were going to do whatever they felt like doing. And you know what? As Humans with a sin nature, we feel like doing some pretty bad things sometimes. We like to please the flesh. And so it makes perfect sense that as you know, the coming of Christ gets closer, that we are going to see churches, you know, having worldly music. And that makes sense. That we would see more false doctrine, that we would see more perversion of the scriptures. That makes 
That's exactly what the Bible said was going to happen. And so seeing all these things, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? What we ought to be doing is doubling down on our holy living. I mean, doing even more to try to make sure we are obeying the Scriptures. We can't use other Christians as an excuse to sin and disobey the Scripture. We are looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we according to His promise look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Y'all see that? Once again, when people think about the return of Christ, I want to get out of this world because I want to get away from paying my bills. I want to get away from responsibilities. I don't like working. Uh, my family's driving me crazy. You know, I, I don't like my church people you know, that I go to church with very well. And I'm wanting the Lord to hurry up and glorify them so they won't have any of their issues anymore and I don't have to put up with it. No, you know what the Bible says? It says we are supposed to be looking for the coming of Christ because we're looking for a world where the righteousness dwells. We're looking for righteousness. And while you could go to any church and any Christian, hey, you looking forward to the coming of Christ? Absolutely looking forward to the coming of Christ. But yet you can't tell because there's no righteousness in their life. They're as backslidden as all get out. I mean, there's all kinds of wickedness going on in churches, in the church services. And according to the Bible, those who are looking forward to the coming of Christ, they're not looking at it as an escape hatch from this world. They are looking for righteousness. And the truth is, the Bible teaches in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, Blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. You know, we can have a taste of that right now. We can have a little bit of that right now in our own lives. We don't have to be, you know, ruled by sin. That's not necessary. And so we need to. You know, we ought to be. If we're looking forward to the coming of Christ, that's one. That's our blessed hope. Okay, we, I preached about that a while back. The blessed hope and glorious appearing of Christ. It's the blessed hope of us being like Christ. And when are we like Christ? At His glorious appearing. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall we also appear with Him in glory. We will be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. We will be like Christ at His appearing, and that's our goal. Not to escape, but to be like Christ. And if we want to be like Christ, we can start working on that right now. The Bible says, Every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. And it's sad how many people say they're looking forward to the coming of Christ, but you see no effort to purify their life. You see no effort to live a righteous life. According to the Bible, those who are looking forward and hasting to the coming of Christ are going to be doing those things. And so you know, let's get busy. Let's study the Scriptures. Let's not you know, lick our finger and hold it up in the wind and see what everybody else is doing. Let's not you know, check and see what's going on in other churches. Let's get in the Scriptures. What does God expect from us? And then just do it. That's what we ought to be doing. And the problem that many of us have is we feel like Jesus is somehow obligated to come and get us out of this world. And the truth is, even if you are saved and you're doing your best to, to live holy, God is still being long-suffering and merciful with you. Look at what it says in verse 15, "...an account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom 
given unto him hath written unto you, and also in all his epistles, speaking in them of things in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other Scriptures under their own destruction. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware lest also ye be led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We see that God right now, if, if you are trying to be righteous, if you are purifying yourself, if that's how you're looking forward to the coming of Christ, you're doing everything you can, do you realize that even at our best, God's being long-suffering with us? Think about that. Even at our best, God is being long-suffering with us. And He mentions Paul, our beloved brother Paul. He wrote about this. And I don't know for sure what passage this is talking about, but look at Romans chapter 2. Maybe this is what Peter was talking about when he mentioned the writings of Paul, what Paul taught. It says in verse uh, Romans chapter two verse four, or despiseth thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance, but after thy hardness and impenitent heart treasurest up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds, to them who by patient continuance and well doing Seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. We see here that Paul talked about a coming, a coming judgment and how we need to prepare ourselves for that. We need to live holy and righteous life. That is supposed to be the thing that motivates us to live righteous lives is that Jesus Christ returning. He's returning. That judgment is coming. Judgment begins at the house of God. And so we ought to be ready for that. And so to answer the question of where is the promise of His coming, you know, I have to say, I don't know where it is. I don't know when it is. But it just, you know what it looks to me like? It looks to me like God is being very long-suffering. God's being long-suffering with the lost. And He's not pouring His wrath out on them yet. And He's being long-suffering on us. He's putting up with our feeble attempts to be like Him. They really aren't that great. But He's given us... Think about this. As He delays His coming, not only is this a chance for more people to get saved, but it's for a chance for us to earn more rewards and to be in a better position when we stand before Him. This is our chance to make sure... Things are good for us on Judgment Day. God is being long-suffering. Not just to the world, He's being long-suffering to us. We have an opportunity to get right right now. We have an opportunity to you know, get on fire for Him and to make sure we are not ashamed that His coming. You know, if the Lord returned right now, there would be many that the Bible talks about that would be ashamed at His coming. And so God's being long-suffering. He's saying, you know what? I'm going to wait a little longer. So if we real once again, if we really want his return to hurry up and come, let's get as many people saved as we can, and let's make sure God doesn't delay his coming because he's given us a chance to get our act together. <coughs> Why don't we get our act together right now? God is being long suffering, and you know what? I'm not going to slack off for one second. You know why? Because God's not slack. 
I might feel like He is, but the Bible says He's not slack. He is coming. It's going to happen. As sure as, you know, the Cubs won the World Series, Jesus Christ is going to return. We're talking about that in the past tense now. It's still weird to me. And you know what? One of these days we'll talk about the return of Christ in the past tense. But today is not that day, but that day is coming. So you know what? Don't slack off. I want to be ready when He returns. I want to be, I mean, just just itching and raring to go. I want to be, I, I, I do. I want to be ready when He comes. I don't want to be ashamed. I want to be thrilled and excited. That is not going to be the way it is for everybody. That is very clear in the Bible. But it doesn't have to be that way. God is being long-suffering. That's why He is not back yet. He's being long-suffering. So you know what? Let's go get those people saved that God's wanting to see saved before He comes back. Let's make sure He's not delaying His coming for us because we're not right with Him. Let's get right with them, and that way we can get the ball rolling on this thing. I'm ready to wrap this thing up and go to heaven and be with Him. And so that's what we need. Get people saved. Get yourself right. And so with that, let's all stand together.